Handbook for Humanity is a production of the DeZormo Foundation, a nonprofit whose goal is to support the dignity of life, born and unborn. If you would like to support Handbook for Humanity and our mission to share truthful conversation about the body, spirit, sexuality, and being a better human today, visit DeZormoFoundation.org. That's D-E-S-O-R-M-E-A-U-X Foundation.org. To donate, look under Funds column and choose Theology of the Body. Thank you for your prayers and support. All right, listeners, just as we mentioned in episode number 25 for our phenomenal conversation with Dr. Susan Caldwell on natural fertility awareness, in this second part of that same conversation, we will hop into, again, very deep and insightful conversations on hormone replacement therapy and different experiences for women and also men and her experiences and opinions, opinions, but some insights also into bioethics and why that is so important for us today. So again, thank you for joining us in episode number 26, Handbook for Humanity. If you haven't listened to it, do number 25 and then come to this one, or you know what, listen at your own convenience, but thank you for joining us. How about we take a second to kind of maybe compare and contrast, you know, what is synthetic hormone therapy versus natural fertility awareness and some of the pros and cons. And maybe think a thought popped in my head, I wanna ask you too, I guess as a doctor, because you have mentioned it, and I think Becky just recently mentioned about oftentimes we say birth control, but in reality, the function is synthetic hormone therapy that alters, say, a woman's cycle. Um, and so it's, it's deliberately taking hormones that change or manipulate the natural functions of, say, your body. What I've seen maybe in contrast to that, so if, if ladies or women take... Um, a therapy to change their hormones and suppress it. The other side of that I've actually seen in, in men recently is how testosterone has decreased over the last several decades that men are actually starting to seek out more testosterone replacement therapy. Yeah. So, yeah. so to supplement their hormones so that yeah. they can function better. Yeah. So mm-hmm. there's this weird kind of contrast of women actively take it to suppress yet men are trying to actually take it to supplement yes. their natural functions. Right. Right. But what's so interesting about that um, is that it has the same effect. So when a man takes exogenous or therapeutic testosterone, his own body's testosterone and sperm production cease. So, you know, we've seen more and more men seek out testosterone replacement in their reproductive years. It used to be it was only in their, I said, they're always, men are always fertile from puberty until death. So I don't mean, but I mean, it's the time they're, they're more interested in fathering children, maybe in their thirties. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so it used to be that men would um, use these therapies when they're older, like in their fifties or sixties, but now we're seeing more men in their thirties and, and not realizing that it makes them sterile. Mm-hmm. So just like women, when we take exogenous, you know, these synthetic exogenous hormones, it, it causes us to be, in most cases, sterile. So it's really the same thing. And, and really, you know, not to get off into a tangent, but since I do treat men as well, um, it, is, it, it is ridiculous for a man <laughs> in their 30s or 40s to need testosterone. So if mm-hmm. a man in their 30s and 40s needs testosterone, they haven't found a doctor or they haven't been able on them on the, their own to figure out what's underneath that. Mm-hmm. So if of a man, so if any of our reproductive hormones are off, it's because there's something wrong yeah. with we're not getting our needs met in some way. Mm-hmm. We're not eating the right diet. We're not getting enough sleep. There's too much stress in the system. 
there's there's diabetes, there's underlying health issues. Does that yeah. make sense? So, so yes. we need to look deeper than just to give people, you know, we live in a, in a reactionary medical society, right? Yes. Where a patient just shows up and has a symptom and we just quick to write a prescription instead of saying, hey, let's check in with yourself and see, are you, are yeah. you okay? Are you really, are you getting what you need? Can I say thank you? You're the first doctor I've ever spoken with that recognizes that side of it. Mm-hmm. I've only met one other person that even knew about the side effect that you mentioned about taking, again, the endogenous, that it actually suppresses yeah. their natural function. Yeah. And so I've only heard that in, say, in the bodybuilder community to where they'll, okay. that mineral and testosterone therapy uh-huh. for a long time, mm-hmm. but they don't understand the risk of once you try to come off of it, yes. it will wreck you uh-huh. dramatically. Right. And trying to get back into quote unquote baseline is extremely yeah. difficult. Yeah. Um, so for you to acknowledge that and, and know that and, and possibly import that knowledge to your own patients as they try to seek those therapies, thank you for that. Because yeah. several of my, my close friends who are in their 30s, like you yeah. said, close friends of mine. There's something There's something wrong with that. Yeah. There's something wrong right. with that. They're not, you know, it, it. we just have to be honest. And so, and really it wasn't until the, I did this work in women's health and starting to look deeper, like, let's look deeper. What's going on deeper in the, in the situation, right? Mm-hmm. Then I've, I've had to, you can't just turn that off when you see anybody else, right? So now I ask that question for everything. When somebody comes in for high blood pressure, hey, do you have sleep apnea? You know, <laughs> like I'm starting to think deeper and deeper. Of course, this, this is a nightmare for my schedule because it takes, you know, it takes yeah. so long with patients. But <laughs> oh, <laughs> anyway, thank but you're you right. for that. <laughs> but yeah. there's every single one of us. Mm-hmm. We deserve to know why yes. is this happening with my body? Yeah. If it's not, if I'm not functioning the way God made me, it's not, be, you know, something needs to be addressed underneath the surface. Yeah. Well, there's so many correlations too, because um, I think we also mentioned mm-hmm. in the last episode, you know, the... Um, the diagnosis of PCOS, you know, like in yes. ladies, mm-hmm. that oftentimes it's associated with either insulin resistance or some other hormone mm-hmm. um, residual issue. I've heard yeah. it's the same in men that if their testosterone mm-hmm. is suffering, oftentimes it can be associated with insulin resistance or, like you said, yes. diabetes or there's other there's other hormonal considerations, yeah. and not yes. just your T levels low. Like, yeah. what are you eating? How yes. are you sleeping? What's all? What else is going on in your life? Um, yes. It's like people people make fun of me now, but like I always joke, I'm I'm in my early 30s, I'm relatively quote unquote healthy, and I always tell people like I'm avoiding sugar, I'm doing some other stuff. I'm like, well, man, you're missing out on life. Like, you don't want these cookies? I'm like, no, I don't want diabetes, and I want to keep my hormone levels okay. <laughs> yeah, um, very go. good. <laughs> as the good. Uh, as the man yeah. on the street in our yeah. event uh, today, um, I remember in a previous episode, and it stuck with me really great, where we talked about the body telling the truth. Mm. And what I'm mm. hearing with this is that we who are taking these medications, um, thinking that it's solving issues, we're really making our body lie to us. Mm. And we're not acknowledging yes. that it's really the thing that's the answer, right? It's pointing us in a direction. And again, going back to the design, you know, that we were created for this. Yes. And we tend to get in our own way. Uh, yes. in a lot of situations. Yeah. So yeah. Um, good stuff. Yeah. What I was detecting too in this conversation this um, that Colby started with um, is that the, we, we talk about the complementarity, you know, of men and woman, man and woman. We have had, you know, a lot of episodes talking about that, pulling it forward that like there's a complementarity in our gift, but there's also a complementarity in our fall. Mm. You know, and and looking at how um, 
I don't know, uh, I don't want to go too deep into this because this would be a whole nother, um, I don't want to veer off, but we do have a resource that's linked on our website um, to uh, bioethics with Vicki Thorne um, that talks deeply about how um, women being on the pill has affected men's fertility um, and mm-hmm. um, and how that, that it, there is a complementarity in the, in how it affects us bio you know biologically both of us mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. and it's really interesting um, research and things that she's she's talked about are you familiar with her at all Dr. Caldwell the, I am I have heard some of her yeah. or heard or read some of her work yeah she's she's passed she passed away recently um, but oh, um, she, yeah that. she's no longer with us but her work is oh. um, is on YouTube and we have you know those videos linked it's really interesting to see the correlation on how um, we affect one another in relationship when we mm-hmm. make these choices. Um, um, yeah. Um, so, yeah. I, and, you know, we've used the term bioethics a couple of times. And I saw that you put a really nice quote in here. Um, mm-hmm. And I, I just thought maybe you could break that open a little more um, as we kind of yes. segue into talking more about bioethics and maybe some of the infertility methods that's out there and what's, you know, um, what's available that would be a healthy way of addressing those things. Yes, Mm -hmm. yes. Um, So, you know, in my medical training, I I don't believe I had any bioethics classes. Uh (laughs) I don't think, I don't remember. Um, You know, we were just kind of taught, you know, the kind of to view a person as a as a thing, a body, if you will, that can be manipulated to achieve an outcome. So mm-hmm. the more we know about a person or the person, the human person, the more power we think we have. Um, and then we forget that bodies are connected to people. In fact, bodies are people. Yes. So, so, you know, none of that did I learn in medical school, right? So, so I just had this idea of, you know, if a body comes in a room to, to need treatment, I just do whatever that body needs, you know, without a, you know, a, con- a, a consideration of who that blo- body belongs to, God, mm-hmm. who created that body, who has a design, a perfect design for that body. So, you know, I think today we're talking more about Catholic bioethics, not yes. just about bioethics in general. Mm-hmm. And there's a wonderful book um, called Biomedicine and Beatitude. Um, it's about you know Catholic bio- bioethics. And there's a quote um, in the beginning of the book um, that kind of just frames what what um, what's different about Catholic bioethics is it focuses the, the quote on page 11 um, it focuses upon the acts of the individual patient clinician or scientist in order to evaluate their morality asking these questions which ones would re- which acts would respect the dignity of the person and promote his well-being and ultimate beatitude mm-hmm. and which ones would be detrimental to the perfection of his nature I mean, that, that just, that's mind blowing. Thank you for that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That's mind blowing Mm -hmm. because I didn't think like that in, in medical school and in, in early part of my training. And I think that's honestly why we might have a problem with a lot of burnout in healthcare. Sure. Theology of the body. Mm -hmm. Yes. There's a theological component. It's not just, you know, a core to be worked on. You know, there's a 
person there made in the image and likeness of God. Come on, y'all. You know? <laughs> oh, I have right. I have no medical treatment other than being the mother of five and, you know, putting Band-Aids and, you know, mercurial or <laughs> something. That's that's the extent of my medical. But uh, thank you so much for sharing and, and seeing, you know, the dots are all connected, you know, when you when when we hear somebody like you with so much expertise, uh, just putting it all together. It's a beautiful puzzle. God God made us. Of course, we're in His image and likeness. For crying out loud, you know, it's yeah, <laughs> it's all good. Come on, y'all. Yeah. Okay. Can I say what you said blew my mind? Because like Adele used the analogy of we're not cars to be fixed, but when you said. Like a body walks in the room and your job is to manipulate that body to make that person feel better. Mm -hmm. But yet not making the connection that we are our bodies. Mm -hmm. And that's not known. Like, okay, my brain exploded. Because people often complain about doctors either not having a bedside manner or having Mm -hmm. other issues or they just try to treat symptoms per se. Mm -hmm. Prescribe medications Mm -hmm. to make them feel better. Like, yes, we all have personal experiences with that to some degree. And I can recall like, I saw a cardiologist for a while and the only conversation he would have with me was take this medicine and call me in two weeks and tell me to feel better. Uh-huh. There was no conversation to dig into the issue about my personal experiences or fears or things that were around that. Mm. And the reason, the reason I've kept my primary care doctor is because he, he's the antithesis of that. Like mm. he asks the personal questions. He goes into the personal issues and tries to, to dig into it with me. Um, <laughs> and so for you to say like to go through medical training and not recall if you even had a class on bioethics. I went to business school and I had too many classes on ethics and I can still tell you people aren't ethical. <laughs> <laughs> right. So just yes. like just imagine the importance of the uh-huh. medical community and people that have, like you said, so much power to manipulate the functions of people's bodies. That's a, a deeply profound responsibility that I think so many people don't recognize. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and when when you're the person that is going through the pain, it, it's so challenging for you to be able to think about all this, right? And to mm-hmm. think about the questions that you need to answer. My my wife, I watched her, a tremendous advocate for her parents um, as they were ill, and we've learned that you need somebody with you. And man, what I'm yeah. thinking about now is what Kobe was saying is, we almost need a handbook as we go in to talk to the doctor to counter where there's some conversation. Cause so often I think you sit, you know, on that table and we need to educate ourselves too, to say, you know, no, I'm not just going to walk through this path, but have the strength to say, hopefully have somebody with you and, and have these maybe 10 questions that are super important. I think the medical community would maybe stand up and take notice and go, well, mm-hmm. we need to change it a little bit. Maybe. What can I ask about that? It's going to be a joke but I want to get your opinion, Dr. Caldwell. Mm-hmm. So people walk in mm-hmm. after going to WebMD and then they walk into your office. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Dr. Google. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It, it could be extreme either way, I guess. Right? Okay. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Wow. How about, um, we'll ask you kind of one more heavy question and then we'll maybe transition to our second part of the conversation. So we've, we've talked about some pretty heavy things, I think. Some with some optimism, some with some, I don't say skepticism, but there's some things in motion that we have a great challenge to try to tackle. Do you see any cultural shifts on these issues in this generation, previous generations? You know, maybe what are some ways that the attitudes or perceptions of these topics are changing over time? In my 10 years of being awake. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, speak to that. You know, mm-hmm. 
Yeah. Um, I, you know, it's so, it's just so back, back to what I said about um, medicine. I think the more we've gotten technologically advanced, the more we are, we think we can dominate and manipulate the mm-hmm. human person. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and that just has gone, you know, it's just, it's been exaggerated. I mean, to now, you know, um, as I have a pit in my stomach saying this, to now we are, you know, thinking that we can change people's, you know, very um, being mm. by by changing their genitals. Right. You know, we can change. Mm-hmm. So we're really getting crazy uh-huh. now. Yeah. I mean, now yeah. we've we're losing all connection to reality. Mm-hmm. Um, it's really dark. So yeah, that's you know. We, but but just to just to go back to what I said, you know, but back you know a hundred years ago, um, every Christian believed and and it was you know kind of in in the dogma that that you that contraception was not even to be allowed. You know, yeah. marriage you have first comes sex, yeah. ma- come, first comes marriage, then comes sex, then comes babies. I mean, this was just what everybody believed, and mm-hmm. here we are now. Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah, we discussed that uh, briefly. Um, the history of contraception in our previous mm-hmm. episode last time mm-hmm. yeah. with um, uh, yeah. Brandy Bellard. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. We discussed all that. Yeah. Thank you. So thank you for pulling that forward mm-hmm. as a physician. Yeah, yeah for us. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think you kind of pointed it and hit the nail on the head. So you mentioned marriage, then sex, then babies. I think today the perception or the desire is sex marriage if people kind of want it and then there's so many people that are not open to children anymore open to life anymore right and so right. from what was a holistic yes. picture is now just reduced to one yes thing. Mm-hmm. but remember you know christopher west says all the time and this is so so important but as soon as you rupture <laughs> you know the pleasure that comes with sex from babies then then any pleasure will be fine right so yeah. with contraception we have um, sex without babies and IVF, we have babies without sex. Mm-hmm. Right. And so, and then we've just gotten quote unquote smarter and smarter and smarter in the ways that we figure out how to get what we want without playing by the rules of nature, without playing right. by the rules. There you go. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. That's it. Without the handbook, right? <laughs> no handbook, right. <laughs> handbook for humanity. Yeah. Yeah. So those of us who, you know, you know, have, have had you know, come to Jesus moments, you know, I think we need to, to kind of share that that those painful things with other people like this is what I suffered when I tried to you know do it on my own <laughs> yes and that's what I try to share yeah, you know appropriately that, yeah. um but but it's important wisdom. to say that because yeah. we're, as mm-hmm. as humans yeah. we're you know we often go off the, <clears throat> the path so yes yeah I think um really uh before we we run out of time I really we spent a lot of time talking with uh Brandy about um um, hormonal contraception and, and those kinds of things. But um, to address the issues regarding like infertility and what are the, um, what are the healthy methods, you know, the, the ethically, um, you know, good methods that could address um, infertility and also the problems that are coming up um, regarding like egg donation um, young people who are who have grown up um, having been created, you know, outside of the womb, and some of the issues that are um, that are we're, we're hearing from them. Um, how do you speak to 
uh, someone who we're talking about theology of the body to, and they come up and they're like, well, you know, I have a baby that was conceived through IVF, you know, and, and, and you, mm-hmm. you already have that experience. So how, you know, so if we could kind of segue towards that um, topic a little more. Mm-hmm. Sure. Could you speak to that? Mm-hmm. Sure. Um, so speak to the, um, the, how do we speak to people who have the experience of having children yeah, outside of? Yeah, we can start of, there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, you know, I'll, I'll speak to my own uh, situation. My three children, you know, I remember when we told them that about how they were conceived, um, I, and I was, you know, this was maybe about 10 years ago or so, mm-hmm. um, we sat down and explained to them and, and they were basically rolling their eyes or like, okay, well, can we go? Because it's no big deal. <laughs> uh-huh. And um, one of them said, all we want to know is that we were wanted, oh, you know, wow. from their standpoint, mm-hmm. they said, we, as long as we were wanted, you know, as long mm-hmm. as we, you know, cause they, so they thought, you know, in their, in their minds at the time, they thought that it was very sweet how hard we worked, you know, to have them. Uh-huh. <laughs> right. Of course, that's all they wanted to know. Right. Kids. Um, sure. But, uh, but, um, I mean, they're, they're just, God allows it, right? God mm-hmm. allowed it and they are here. And every single person who is here is, is only here by the grace of God, the power of God and, um, you know, the, the permissive will of God, maybe mm-hmm. not his, you know, his, um, what's the other word for this? <laughs> but he, he permitted it, yes. but maybe not, you know, it wasn't his, um, not his first choice of it's how it would the be. the perfect here. will. Yeah. I think it's called the perfect will. I'm not positive, yeah. but I think that's what it is. Yeah. So, so yeah, I mean, that's, um, that's how it is. But, you know, like for my daughter who was in the freezer for four years as an embryo, I am a hundred percent that it affected her deeply uh-huh. on a spiritual level, uh-huh. on a soul level. Mm-hmm. I believe that she bears wounds of that today. Yeah. Um, I believe that's part of her story, you know, just mm-hmm. like so many people will talk about their stories of being um, in the womb of a mother, maybe who wanted to abort them or didn't mm-hmm. want them. You know, those are mm-hmm. wounds. Yes. Those are real, real wounds. Mm-hmm. So we need to be attentive to those yeah. wounds. Yeah. Just the awareness yeah. of how as children who grow, having been conceived in that way, may need a particular just remaining aware by parents and, and other people in yes. their lives, um, you know, in the journey towards healing those particular things. I, I met a young man, um, uh, over the course of the last year, uh, through friendships with, uh, my own children who was conceived through IVF. He really didn't have a very much of a faith base, but mm-hmm. he definitely could speak to how, when he was told, um, I guess as a young adult, he, it really affected him deeply and he was a little angry about it. Um, and mm. especially learning about, um, other children who didn't make it, you know, like that were implanted with yeah. him and kind of had almost a sense of like, um, as, as I kind of got to know about him and, and, his, and the things that he was attracted to, he really, um, in a positive way, he really felt, um, he liked to jump into situations where he could offer some kind of like um, help to those who were in peril. 
a lot. Mm. And it kind of came from that, um, you know, that sense of like knowing that there were other people who lost their lives, uh, you know, mm -hmm. when I was conceived. Um, it was interesting to watch that dynamic with him. And I, I once heard a young adult give a talk at one of our uh, Catholic conferences talking about her experience of coming to know this and how it affected her um, and her healing, right? And, and her now going out to speak to other young people who are now growing in that awareness as they, you know, as they get to know how they were conceived in that way. So, yeah, it's good to bring those things to the forefront. But ultimately telling those who come to us in Theology of the Body, you know, like, well, what about my child? Well, the dignity of the human person, right, is oh, still, yeah. you know, like very much, you know, our respect and our, there, nothing affects except perhaps some of the consequences, right, of having been conceived that way. Um, yeah. Well, so Part of the perspective that a lot of people don't consider is they are people. Because mm -hmm. so we talk about, you know, the human embryo per se, and that's one of the arguments between the pro-choice and the pro-life arguments is, you know, what point does an embryo represent or become a person? Uh -huh. But uh, probably to the, like the young man you shared, his experience, you know, people don't look at it this way, but he is a member of a particular community of people yes. that has an experience that most people don't. Right. Mm -hmm. And so in a way for him to survive uh -huh. what others have not, Right. I mean, I don't know if I want to project this, but survivor's guilt or yeah, like there's, there's specific experiences that he about. probably feels that others mm -hmm. will never yeah. even have a glimpse of. Yeah. And so when we talk about frozen embryos, hundreds of thousands, if not millions yes. of people right. who are in the state. Right. And from a, yes. a medical perspective, people just say, oh, oh frozen embryos that at one day may be implanted or adopted or uh -huh. whatever the the solution may come to, but they're people. They are people. Yeah. Uh, yes. And that's, that's something I think that there's a lack of awareness, Dr. Caldwell, would you say yeah. like a, 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 on oh, yeah. how many frozen people there are out there, like their lives suspended um, in this, they, they exist. We, as Catholics, we see them as existing as a human yes. person with all the dignity and rights of a human person, all the beauty yes. that God has created them with in the dynamic of, even these this fallen way of of having been conceived or um just you know uh and i know that there was a question in in the bioethics class i don't know if you remember I colby I we were like what's two, the two solution scenarios. what's yeah. the solution and from our catholic um perspective um what what dr haas kind of explained is like well um you keep paying the light bill because there's not really yeah. an ethical way to address this issue, um, you know. That's right. And so um, can you speak a little bit about that, about um, using IVF and how the church views that? And what are some of the other methods that are, um, mm -hmm. that are recommended that can help mm -hmm. with infertility? Mm -hmm. Yeah, so it's important to recall that infertility is merely a symptom mm -hmm. just like fever is a symptom okay so infert so what's what's so the church wants people to be whole and healed okay so ivf um is is not ideal for <laughs> for a lot of reasons but um in one case because infertility itself is not a diagnosis it's a symptom 
So we must, because it's a human person, the person deserves to be, to be treated, you know, by, in a, in a, in a very good way. In other words, let's find out what's really wrong instead of just saying, oh, they're infertile. Let's just go to IVF. So, so IVF is a very dismissive approach Mm -hmm. that kind of skips over what's really wrong. Right. So what the church would offer, um, really through the work of Dr. Thomas Hilgers, who, uh-huh. who um, came up with NAPR technology um, uh, really several decades ago, um, would, would ask, would invite the, the woman who's infertile, the couple that's infertile, to, to look, to work with a doctor, a practitioner um, of, of the charting method to kind of find the underlying cause that that can be found we can't treat a problem that we don't know we have so we need to find the problem and then we treat the problem so we bring the woman hopefully restore the woman back to health from whatever is wrong we restore the man back to health so the methods by which we do that are are very very many um which you asked is what what is listed what can we do um and so i don't know that we have time to explain everything but Uh basically we just we find the problem through Uh the woman charting and through testing of hormones and it might be surgery a lot of times i i'm correcting metabolic problems i'm correcting thyroid issues i'm correcting you know, basic things like, you know, a woman might be working 80 hours a week night shift mm-hmm. and, and that can oftentimes steal her, her ability to ovulate, <laughs> you know, mm. so we, we, we might have to correct some lifestyle things. Um, for example, I had a patient who had failed several IVFs and through, she was pregnant within three months of charting oh, wow. all that was wrong was she had a, a deficiency of the cervical mucus that is necessary for sperm and egg to meet. Mm. So she took an over-the-counter supplement for her mucus and got pregnant. Wow. wow. Yeah. So that's, can you that's imagine? That's cheap. That's cheap. That, right. <laughs> can you imagine? So, so inexpensive. Yeah. Right. Inexpensive yes. is, is the word, not cheap. Uh, but yeah. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So, and yeah. then when I think about, you know, all in my own, you know, body, with my own person, what I experience, the, the, the trauma, the pain, the shots, the, the, you know, all the things, like, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, what if that had only been the problem, you know, and <laughs> did all of that. Yeah. So, but in the, but the church says, okay, and of course the church is all for that, right? In fact, um, in, I think it was paragraph 24, if you want vitae by Pope Paul VI, you know, he said um, he, he had a call for doctors and medical professionals to please study, yeah. study these methods so that women and men, these couples would have recourse, you know, um, to this understanding of their bodies and sure. use that rather than use um, birth control to, to regulate their, their um, families and their, and their fertility. Mm-hmm. Um, so, of course, you know, the church is all for that. And Dr. Hilgers read that and he answered that call thanks be to God, but he thought he was just answering the call to help couples to avoid, avoid, you know, to to manage their family and to to time fertility and things like that and to time their, their, um, their conceptions. But really it it branched out into a whole way of managing lots of reproductive health uh, um, problems, which was beautiful. It was a much bigger gift Mm -hmm. than, than he thought he was, he was working with. But, but the bottom line is the church says that every child deserves has a right to be born as a fruit of a of an act of conjugal love of the parents yes 
Yes. That's the bottom mm-hmm. line. So anything that would w- replace that yeah. is not, is below the dignity right. of the human person. Yes. Yeah. Okay. I want to, I need to say something because um, you had said this earlier and as, you know, Tom's the man on the street. I'm kind of the lady on the street. Like yes. I said, my medical stuff is, uh, you know, Band-Aids and that's it. Um, but uh, it, it sort of came across to me just listening and perhaps our, our listeners out there um, may have the same uh, reaction or understanding. When you said in your in your particular personal situation, you know, yes, uh, you used IVF, and yes, the children are here. Yes, so God, you know, permitted it. It, it I'm a little bit cons- um, a little bit uneasy about the idea that it might be okay since God permitted it. And that if you can please clarify, which you are okay. working towards right now, um, yeah, it, it, make the the distinction between, yes, God permitted yeah. it and his maybe his perfect yeah. will, which we said. And the mm-hmm. other thing is that these frozen embryos of the thousands, hundreds of thousands, however many there are, once conception occurs, and I did not attend the bioethics class mm-hmm. that you did, mm-hmm. I'm assuming these embryos, quote unquote, have souls. Yes, of course. Oh, they yes. do. So, yes. so yeah. That's so they're the like tragedy. real persons. Yes. yes. Made yeah. in the image and likeness yeah. of God. And this is uh, yeah. this is an atrocity. Yeah. What are we going to do? Yeah. Yeah. Well, this is a big deal. And, uh, All right. Those are my two concerns. Well, and Thank uh, you. To go back to what might be cloudy about that, um, when I said you keep paying the light bill, what we discussed mm-hmm. as ethics the bioethics of like implantation of embryos into into someone else's womb mm-hmm. is considered um in catholic bioethics to be a form of adultery mm-hmm. because you're introducing a third person person into and this maybe act. two other people into yes, the yes, act i understand and like what she yeah. just said you know like the right of every child to be born and mm-hmm. so it's mm-hmm. uh, of two parents through that act of love making, that 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 gift of self, and um and so so that's not an ethical, except you know a morally right, acceptable not, way to mm-hmm. solve the problem, and neither is destroying the frozen embryos Correct. because they are um, human the, persons, human persons, which does happen. They will thaw them and toss them out. Yeah, or, do, a, or do research on them, right? Mm-hmm. Or do research on them. So that's yeah, you know, that's the big problem. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. but yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but to, to answer, just to, to um, shed light on that about God's permissive will, right? It's not God's permissive will ever for a child. To, I mean, it's not, it's not, not his, his perfect will, right, ever for a child to be conceived out of rape, mm-hmm. for example. Sure. Yes. Mm-hmm. Okay. That is the same. We're talking about the same kind of category here. Okay, good. So that helps. There are that plenty helps. Of pla- plenty mm-hmm. of places that children are conceived outside of the loving embrace of a mother and father who are deeply in love with each other. Yes. Thank in you. In sacramental love. Yes. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. Got so, it. But, but for some reason, God allows mm-hmm. children to be conceived in many, many other ways. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, so I'm just saying that you know here you know just but but good thank you for that um because we do need to to really be nuanced here right Mm -hmm. um so but 
just because God allows children to be conceived and born through IVF and these artificial, many, many reproductive, uh, these technologies that happen mm-hmm. uh, in, in and around IVF, which are horrific um, when you look at it closely, um, it's allowed. And he, I don't know why he allows it. Why did he, <laughs> mm-hmm. it's just in his great mercy. I mean, yeah. I don't know. I'm too little to understand these things. Good. But for what I understand in my, in my particular case, um, who knows, but, um, but God has mercy. He had mercy yes. on me, mm-hmm. you know, and he knew that I'd be on the show right now talking about it. Yes, mm-hmm. he did. Yes, he did. He knew it. Yeah. I didn't know it. You Listen, know? <laughs> you have, you have uh, addressed my concern. Okay. And good. you've answered my question. Thank you, Thank you so much yes. for that clarity. I mm-hmm. appreciate it. Mm-hmm. Good, good, good. Thanks. Yeah. Okay. When you mentioned mercy, one thing I want to ask, because uh, I mean, Adele kind of alluded to about the example that you shared with regards to, say, the young woman who went through several cycles of IVF and then you discovered that the problem was relatively simple and solved with supplementation. I know that's not all cases. We want to clarify that's not all cases. Mm-hmm. Um, but when you say ethical or unethical in terms of like the decisions that are made, I guess as a practitioner, what are some considerations from the ethics of treatment that's offered? And mm, the, like for me. For you and the other, yeah. say, doctors that they only offer IVF or certain solutions, quote unquote, versus actually digging into the problem, like the, the financial incentives mm-hmm. or the professional incentives that exclude the opportunities for finding solutions like the one you mentioned. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, so wait, could you, I just want to, <laughs> I don't know why I'm not. No, not no, like, I'm not the best at asking questions, so, so I'll, I'll give that. You are. Answer, 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 <laughs> Good. After the question, I was going in one direction, and then you said something else. I was like, wait, maybe he's asking this. So I just want to make sure I understand. No, sure. Are, are you asking, you know, in, in terms of where are my boundaries currently around where I – because there are some things I cannot offer certain sure. people. I mean, there's certain, definitely boundaries. But then you start to talk about financial incentives. So, yeah, help right. me understand the question. No, that, that exactly. So from a doctor's perspective, like we say ethical and unethical in terms of like the decision or the things that are, are done or offered. But for you as an individual – you know, the ethical implications of either helping the patient find an actual solution versus defaulting to a very common therapy that has a lot of financial incentive. Yeah. Um, so I love, and this is what I, what I love about, you know, kind of, you know, the Lord has brought me into a, a deeper place of um, loving boundaries mm-hmm. and loving limitations. You know, he gives us this, this playground to play in, but it has these very, you know, Uh, there's a fence around it that protects us. (laughs) Um, And so there are definite some ethical boundaries within NAPR technology that we have to respect um, because it's all based on church teachings. That's why I love it. Um, So for example, I cannot offer medicines that would um, induce ovulation in couples that are um, not married. Right. Mm-hmm. So, so that's there a good are, example. You know, mm-hmm. There's some boundaries yeah. there, um, and that's tough. Yeah, it gets really tough um, when you know when there's a conversation there because uh, there are people who don't believe that marriage is necessary or ne- needed for um, to, to as a as a place for children to to be welcomed. Mm-hmm. Um, anyway, so those are some examples. Um, and then I'm not a surgeon. 
Um, but in the surgical realm of NAPRA technology, so these are doctors who work surgically to um, correct any abnormalities. So for example, let's say there's a woman who has a tubal problem and her tubes don't work and the doctors have done everything to uh, correct this tubal problem, the fallopian tubes, and the, the, that's where the um, the tubes are where conception takes place, actually. Mm-hmm. So if the tubes are not functional, then the sperm and egg cannot take place, uh, cannot meet, and there can't be a, a conception. Um, and so there are cases where the tubes are not functional, and so um, the secular world of, of fertility work would say, oh, okay, well, that's a perfect candidate for IVF. Mm-hmm. But in NAPR technology... Um, that's where we, you know, co- counsel the couple on other ways to build their family. Yeah. You know, and, and there's plenty of patients that mm-hmm. I've had, you know, who have been unable to, we found things that maybe the man has no sperm or a woman goes into menopause in her early thirties. Mm-hmm. That happens. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we do not recommend IVF. We don't recommend donors and surrogates and, and that um, we just we walk with those people um, on we we we're, we're compassionately walking with them, mm-hmm. and and we're he, hearing their you know hearing them and you know um, helping them to find adoption resources or giving them good mm-hmm. counselors to see and yeah um, you know whatever they need. But mm-hmm. we can't um, recommend that they go outside of church teachings because they're going to hurt themselves remember our mm-hmm. our church is a good mother mm-hmm. and and when our when when her children are about to do something that hurts them she's going to say no honey that's going to hurt don't do that right. and and that's you know we have to stand in, in yes. the plate we, we're the voice of the church you know mm-hmm. sure and that's uh, kind of helps me to remember a conversation we have with dr sarah denny uh-huh. and she was talking about her mm-hmm. dissertation research and the fruits mm-hmm. of that and oftentimes she talks with young women in high schools to teach about yeah. fertility awareness. And she always kind of gives the clarifying, you know, I know some of you may still be sexually active with your boyfriend or whatever the, you know, the case may be, but I'm not teaching you this so that you can avoid pregnancy in that relationship. Like it's meant to be fruitful for you as a young woman to learn who you are and the fullness of yourself. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so it's kind of like what you said, like with the medications and, you know, say a couple that's not married, right? These Oftentimes these conversations can be distilled fairly simply into black and white answers, but it is still so personal of a conversation mm-hmm. that can be very mm-hmm. complex. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so just kudos to you as a, as a doctor yes. and provider to be able to yeah. have the fortitude to have those conversations in so many different capacities. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh goodness. Okay. Oh. This is this is such a productive um, podcast. Uh, thank you so much. I just want to tell you, I'm not signing off. I'm just saying I am. Yes. I'm blown away. Okay, I'm blown away. Yeah. Okay, and I, and I suspect that anyone who will be listening to this podcast uh, will also just learn so much and just be touched. Uh, mm-hmm. I'm really glad we started the um, the conversation with the prayer to the Holy Spirit because He's rolling. <laughs> That's my observation. <laughs> mm-hmm. okay. mm-hmm. So I, I guess as we kind of maybe get to the, the end of our conversation, um, are there any good resources that people that are listening can look for to find a practitioner, say like you or someone that is very similar to you and offering these types of approaches? 
Yeah, so um, there's a website called fertilitycare.org um, that they can find. Um, I'm making sure that's fertility. Oh, wait, maybe it's net. Hold on. No, 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 fertilitycare.org. Hold on. I'm, I'm looking it up to make sure. We'll find it and we'll list it in the show notes so that people have the right address. Yeah. Um, yes, and they can look that up. Also, naturalwomanhood.com. Mm-hmm. They have a list of uh, teachers and doctors who can help women um, that way. Um, there's My Catholic Doctor, which is an online virtual resource where there's doctors that are licensed in many states who can work with couples virtually. Um, um, there's Dr. Oh, wow, Chris. I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's all just, virtually. Yeah. Mm. Um, there's Dr. Pacus, I believe her name is Christina Pacus, um, at vivifyfertilityhealth.com. She is a um, surgical NAPR technology. So in other words, so there's two arms of NAPR technology. One is um, surgical and one's medical. Um, and some doctors have both. If they're surgeons, they can do both. And so Dr. Pacus um, does both. And she's at vivifyfertilityhealth.com. And she is virtual and is in is licensed in many states um she's amazing um yeah so but but you know it's always best for a woman to meet with a fertility care practitioner a Creighton model fertility care practitioner who teaches them how to chart and then once they're charting they can go to the doctor with their chart and and diagnose any problem that may be there so so but reaching out to you know, anybody you find on those sites, you can kind of, they'll, they'll, they're so nice. And, and, and I have a website, um, drsusancaldwell.com. You can send me a message and, you know, I can connect you with somebody. And um, yeah, so we just want, we really want people to have access to this. I can't tell you how many times people, when I explained to them, they cut, somebody, you know, told them you know, their cousin or their aunt or their prayer group mm-hmm. uh, friend, they come in and, you know, I go through my little presentation with them and I invite them to start charting and they look at me and they're just angry. <laughs> they're like, they say, why have I never heard this before? Like, mm. I know. I'm so sorry. But there um, you go. My people yeah. perish for lack of knowledge. Well, that's, that's right. That's a righteous anger, too. Not necessarily. Mm-hmm. Yes. 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 Of course. For, yeah. Yes. Yeah. Of course. It could, could be the inverse where their doctor's always giving them the easy way out. And now you're asking them to do just a little bit of effort to learn about themselves. <laughs> well, that happens, too. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> so so uh, it, it seems to me that this charting and we've been talking about fertility, natural fertility awareness f- on several different episodes and that that's kind of the key to just about everything. Yeah. I mean, yeah. you know, yeah. like every woman and even, you know, preteen, puberty, adolescent, etc., um, they really need to get in touch with their bodies, see yes. how they work because you know, if there are if there are problems, it will show up in that possibly. It will certainly be a guide. Yes. If they have infertility, then the doctor wants to know it anyway. You just soon get started. You know, if you want to uh, space your your family uh, the way the church says is okay, th- there you yes. go. This sounds like it's the big key. Yeah. Yep. 
sounds like it to it, me. Well, to add to it that, really is. one of the reasons I think we have it as such a prevalent topic is because this is a common human experience. Yes, yes. yes. So, Another common human experience. So exactly, That's yeah. Right. So we're in this community together in that we all share a common faith and mm -hmm. love for the Lord and love for our mm -hmm. blessed Pope, St. Paul II's teaching. But this is something that affects all women. Yes. Regardless Everybody. of yes. faith, mm -hmm. background. Yes. Mm -hmm. And I don't know, I've been encouraged as we've been talking, you know, when I think about all of um, of the Catholics who have contributed to major um, movements in science over the course of our history that perhaps mm -hmm. this might become something that like brings a renaissance, you know, ah, um, yeah. in, mm -hmm. uh, in women's health and the complementarity of man and woman in relation to mm -hmm. uh, fertility. And mm -hmm. who knows, you know, we can definitely hope and pray for that. <laughs> it's a, Absolutely. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. Becky uh, has done such a great job for us on the show of bringing on um, spectacular guests that share this information. Uh, thanks, Becky. And um, we do take this information here at the Desarmo Foundation. Um, um, it is a crisis pregnancy center, uh, the Women's Center of Lafayette that we work with. And this information, um, there are some uh, discussions about maybe making it part of the discussion with the clients as they come in mm -hmm. to educate them mm -hmm. and help, uh, help these ladies. Um, I, I think the part that really will connect is the dignity, the discussion yes. about knowing yourself more mm -hmm. in detail and not feel so um, that you're at the whim of society or whatever's actually happening in your culture um, mm -hmm. and, and take that education and, and have power, um, mm -hmm. power over yes. what's going on. Mm -hmm. um, so um, yeah. more to come on that, but uh, that is how some of this information over the last few discussions um, is being looked at mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. uh, hopefully able to be implemented soon. Yes. And I'll, I'll just speak to that because I did work in, inside of a pregnancy, a crisis pregnancy center for four years doing oh, this good. work. Okay. And, um, I was it, it, to talk about a wake up call because I thought I was just going to go into this you know place and oh I'm just going to share this stuff and everybody's just going to be like oh it's going to be so good I'm just going to tell them and they're going to want to do this and it's great you had all TOB training and um, dang you know was <laughs> I uh, did I get a wake up call so. <laughs> I would just like to say what I learned, if this helps anybody out there, is there has to be a level of healing yes. that a woman experiences mm -hmm. before she is able to see any type mm -hmm. of practice of charting or self-awareness. Um, um, so... In a woman, typically the typical woman who is a client at a fertility, I mean, I'm sorry, at a um, crisis pregnancy center, the woman has learned through an, a series of, of, of woundings, right, in her life um, that she is an object. Mm -hmm. She sees herself as an object. She's been treated as an object. She has not been seen as a person, treated as a person. And so, you know, just like uh, St. John Paul II tells us in Love and Responsibility, that when we are, we treat ourselves as an object, then we will only expect to be treated by others as an object. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I don't, and I don't have, so I, I wish I, I had a quick fix of saying, how do you get somebody to know that they're not an object? And so... Um, all I can say is that it starts by giving them the look of love they crave. Mm, yes. 
right? That Pope Benedict mm-hmm. told us in God is love. Yes. And that is the key. So I guess my point is that the when I see when I see these women, and really it's not just the women in crisis pregnancies, right? Because I see tons of women who in in my day to day who have carrying wounds of all kinds of abortions and and things like that. And and, um, and so I've learned that there's a very thick shell around these women, mm-hmm. around their hearts, sure, sure, very thick shell. And so it it sometimes takes you know months and years of of walking with these people and and you know helping them surround themselves with people who see them you yes. know as as a person mm-hmm. um because it takes a lot of love to make up for <laughs> the wounds so i guess you know i i thought i was immature and 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 like Pollyanna oh I'm just going to tell them about charting and they're just going to run to it mm-hmm. and then none of them were doing it right. we had all these resources and they were not they didn't want to hear about it they would so I guess we just have to be patient with them yes. and love them and mm-hmm. see them and and help them to see themselves which is very difficult to do but it's worth the work yes thank you for yeah and, and through our our foundation uh the, the great work by miss brenda disarmo um we we do have um, folks coming in 24 months after um, their delivery, so we do have a little bit of time yes. to work with them, and yes. they're able to come in, you know, once a month, and so that relationship. But uh, we do see uh, quite a bit of what what you were describing there. Yes. Just, uh, and then we we also have uh, some cracks in the shelves every now and then as well. So yes. uh, able to work through. So 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 great stuff. As as our founder says, uh, only by the grace of God uh, that we're right. able to help yes. them. So um, good stuff. That's right. Mm-hmm. Good. Um, one thing Becky uh, mentioned when we were first getting together about doing this Theology of the Body community of Acadiana, which has, you know, just grown and, and spread. We, we didn't know exactly where it was going, but we had this sense that we, we needed to do something. And she mentioned something about and these, these clients here uh, who are in crisis pregnancy. And Becky used this, this term, and I just, I, every now and then I bring it back up. These ladies need a spiritual spa. Mm-hmm. You know, like they, mm-hmm. you know, you go to the spa and you get, you know, good treatment and, you know, all the, you know, all these, yeah. these things. And in, and that's a, that's a word, the word spa kind of conveys something to somebody caring and, you know, tender touch or whatever. And, um, and I just thought that that is such a beautiful concept, a spiritual spa mm-hmm. to minister to these ladies, you know, the, the shell, yeah, to start chipping mm-hmm. away at the shell around their hearts. Yeah, because yeah. They're, they're so they've been so victimized. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah by society, mm-hmm. by men, by their families, the, themselves, whatever. Just the culture, mm-hmm. everything, everything. Mm-hmm. Thank you so much. Mm-hmm. You're welcome. Yes, thank you. This conversation has been more than enriching, um, and hopefully mm-hmm. for all those who are listening, um, that and much more. So we pray that the Lord speaks to your heart and. Uh, if it's soft, we ask you maybe learn something new. And if it's hard, we ask that the Lord please um, remove our hearts of stone and place them with hearts of flesh. Mm-hmm. Amen. So, thank you, Dr. Susan Caldwell. Uh, I know we say this for all of our guests, but this conversation has been so amazing. And uh, we'll try to have you back oh. on again at some point. So, thank you. <laughs> yes, I'd love it. Thank you. Thank you. Thank, thank you, you so, much. so much. Have a Merry Christmas, yes. too. If that thank you. Uh, times are our thing. We're, this is December the 23rd as we record this. It's freezing cold in Louisiana. It is. <laughs> we are cold. Right. Okay, but we All made right. it. Okay, thank you so much. <laughs> okay. And Merry Praise Christmas God. to you thank and your family. You. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. God bless. 
And thank you for joining us today. You can find everything we reference and discuss in today's show notes. If you'd like to contact us with a question or comment or anything you want to share, let us know. Please send an email to handbookfh1 at gmail.com. Again, that's handbookfh1 at gmail.com. Please subscribe to this podcast. We're available on all major networks such as Spotify, Apple, or Google. If you have a minute, please leave a review. Honest, what you think. We definitely want to know. Share with your friends, family, anyone who is human that you think can benefit from these conversations. Handbook for Humanity is a production of the DeZormo Foundation, a nonprofit whose goal is to support the dignity of life, born and unborn. If you would like to support Handbook for Humanity and our mission to share truthful conversation about the body, spirit, sexuality, and being a better human today, visit DeZormoFoundation.org. That's D-E-S-O-R-M-E-A-U-X Foundation.org. To donate, look under Funds column and choose Theology of the Body. Thank you for your prayers and support.